I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to Pattern Portraits, an artwork and podcast by me, Lauren Godfrey. Each episode, I speak with a fellow pattern lover in the creative industries about their relationship to pattern and colour and how surrounding themselves with pattern serves as a kind of armour. Each guest has selected some textiles special to them, which we will discuss using the patterns to delve into their stories. I've also created an accompanying artwork, an abstract pattern portrait of the sitter through their patterns made from jesmonite inlaid with perspex and brass, and a resulting print will be available to purchase. There'll be an exhibition of all the artworks, and the prints are available on my website, laurengodfrey.co.uk. Follow Lauren Godfrey Studio and Pattern Portraits Podcast on Instagram to stay in the loop. And welcome to Pattern Portraits. Today I'm speaking with Karen Mabin, an illustrator and founder of her eponymous brand, Karen Mabin. She makes pyjamas, scarves, swimwear and more in the most joyful, playful patterns of your dreams. Think Tamagotchis, cats in pumpkin costumes and ski bunnies, foxes scavenging in bins and chocolate factories to rival Willy Wonka. If you can dream it, she's done it. Even if you can't dream it, she's done it. Karen has collaborated with cultural icons from Agatha Christie to the Queen, and most recently, our true queen, Barbie. Her clothes and accessories have been worn by celebrities worldwide, including Jessica Alba, Selma Blair, and Anna from Frozen herself, Kristen Bell. Full disclosure, I'm supremely lucky to be able to call Karen one of my best friends. I've been there for the highs and lows, from the late night trade shows to the thrills of movie premieres. We even collaborated on a pop-up swimwear shop in Lisbon a few years ago. I'm excited to finally be able to ask her the hard-hitting, pattern-based questions on everybody's lips. Welcome, Karen Maven, to Pattern Portraits. Oh, that was so nice. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be here. It's nice oh, to be. that was really emotional listening oh, to that. You have been there for the highs and lows. 
all, all the way, all, all the way. The way. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I start every podcast by asking my guest, what does pattern mean for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and I have listened to some of your other podcasts, so I should have been prepared for it, but I'm not. Um, pattern, I don't even think about it, really. I think it's just something that's everywhere and I'm drawn to and I just see a surface and I just feel like every surface could be benefited with pattern um, or could be improved with pattern I should say um, I love it in my home on my belongings on everything I think about it all the time I see patterns everywhere that I go it's just what my life is about and I'm obsessed with it nice yeah it feels like a missed opportunity if something yeah, is unpatterned definitely definitely <laughs> what do you do it's <laughs> far too plain yeah definitely tell me about your first fabric that well, you've I guess, chosen i guess i'll start with the one that i've got in front of me um it's obviously really hard for me to choose you said three to six and i think i've chosen five it's really hard for me to choose because everything that i do is pattern all my clothes are patterned i feel very I have a very sort of strong sentimental attachment to my wardrobe, um, which is why it's so extensive. But I have brought in, I went to the studio this morning and I looked through, I have an old box in the studio of some archive things. I'm quite ruthless when it comes to things that we make and sample as a brand. We sort of clear things out quite a lot and I don't really hold on to things unless they feel really, really special because... I do do a lot of projects, but the one I've brought in is the first scarf I ever made, which was it's a printed it's printed with an illustration I did probably about twelve or thirteen years ago of some gymnasts. It's printed on silk, um, hand finished myself, and I guess I brought it in because it's sort of what started my business off and started everything, and everything since that's happened since then has snowballed from this. So it, it was at the bottom of a box, and I thought this is it's so sort of sad to look at and I thought it's nice to sort of hold on to something that has such sentimentality why is it sad to look at it I don't know I just I think compared to the sort of sophistication and the last um image I sent you of pattern is probably is one of the most recent designs I did Mm -hmm. and I think to me looking at them comparatively it feels so unsophisticated it's so I'm quite embarrassed about it like I'm obviously holding on to it but I would never show it to anyone else Mm. as part of like my archive um but to me it kind of holds it, it it sort of says so much to me about the kind of rudimentary way that I started my business. It was very kind of figuring things out and, and DIY and very lo-fi um, as I started. And, and to me, it just it sums up that kind of era of my life where I had this idea in my head of what I wanted the business to be like, but nothing was really coming together. Everything felt really clunky. It wasn't quite right. There was lots of figuring things out. And I suppose when I talk about my business now it's quite nice to talk to you about it because you're probably one of my only friends who's seen the whole journey and and it's so easy with especially with social media to kind of gloss over those early stages and 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 only present like a sort of point of perfection um where everything is is really finished but yeah it's quite nice to sort of think about yeah think about the start I guess and and you studied silversmithing and jewellery is that right yeah I did at the Royal College of Arts and so how did that then feed through into making non kind of jewellery accessories like what was the shift from making kind of literal jewellery to something more uh, textile based um I think for me I've always drawing and painting always came most naturally to me and then I went to art school and ended up doing this jewellery course because it was it felt like the only course which um gave a really kind of broad education in materials I'm always I'm interested in things like I like drawing and painting and that's great but like what my passion is stuff Mm. I love shops I love I'm a consumer I love product I love clothes I love 
everything I love going to like that's where I, and I think that's something you and I have in common yeah we love a kind of look around liberty yeah I think that that <laughs> like touching all the stuff exactly <laughs> whenever I have a day where I just I, I'm lacking inspiration I don't know what I'm doing I go to liberty or selfridges and I just find that sort of sensory overload of being in a shop or a department store it's my favorite place in the world um so I was always interested in making things and 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 I guess I had a bit of it, it took a long time for me to sort of find where I wanted my practice to sit because I was interested in, in jewellery, but I kind of was more interested in sort of how I could um, marry those two things, like making sort of three-dimensional objects, but also drawing a painting. And then mm. just as I graduated, I thought about... I, I went to the shop in York and I found this silk scarf that had like muscle... It was like an old Liberty one that had muscle shells drawn on it. And I just thought how beautiful. And then I thought, this is kind of an accessory it's almost like a piece of jewelry itself and then mm. I thought maybe that's something that I could do and that's yeah. sort of what started everything it's sort of the perfect loophole it's like you're making artworks but they happen to be wearable and yeah. it's sort of like oh yes exactly why didn't we all think of that it's yeah so nice. it's like an artwork that you can sort of pick it up and take it everywhere with you mm. and, and pass it down I kind of I liked the sort of heirloom aspect of silk scarves as well and how they were kind of commemorative it was I thought that there was a sort of wider kind of cultural shorthand there that I, I was interested in and that's sort of why I started with scarves but obviously since then it's it's kind of grown arms and legs it's mm, so nice what's interesting about this print that you've brought in is um it looks almost like it's faded but I think maybe it's just always was quite I think it's pared just, down colors like yeah quite, yeah, I think at the point at that point I was quite inspired by sort of vintage sort of mid-century prints and mm -hmm. textiles, and I suppose they have like a bit more of a faded look. Um, I was looking a lot at like lithographic book covers from the nineteen fifties and okay. and prints, trying to sort of take that feeling of having limited color palette and enforce it on a, the the digital print where you can have any color that you want. And I think sometimes for me, like putting a bit of restriction in place, was quite helpful and totally creating agree. yeah. Um, patterns that look a bit more sophisticated do you ever wear this one no i don't actually wear my own stuff that i mean I, I, that's not true i sleep in carmy pajamas every night and that is the official line and that is true <laughs> but i never wear i very rarely wear things of mine i i just find it embarrassing i don't know why i look it's a very complicated relationship i have with having the eponymous brand where i find it very embarrassing mm. to to be karen maybe of karen maven i i actually called it i had an equally embarrassing name for it when which you know about when I first started it was called Red Brick and then I um, had a meeting with Liberty and and Ed Bristel who was the manager director said it's much more marketable if you have a woman's name think about Emma Bridgewater and Sonia Rykeel and mm. Stella McCartney and you know listed hundreds and I thought okay fine and I think they, they were like we'll buy the collection but we want to call it Carrie Mabin so okay. I said yeah fine oh <laughs> right so I didn't realise it was Liberty that had swerved that yeah for you. they oh, did that's nice yeah they said it was like they said it's like a, an easy sell if it's a woman's name i don't know why this I mean, is what they said. i would do anything liberty told me to exactly do, so. <laughs> i was so desperate to get the collection there that i thought yeah fine and i never really thought about the repercussions of of having your name above the door and i i don't know i feel like i guess everybody every artist and designer has that complicated relationship between your own ego and wanting to make work and the reasons for making work and and i don't know i've never really i've never really been somebody that wants to be the center of attention but I do like making the work and I like the response that it gets and I guess mm. that that's I wonder if that's like a, the difference between like an artist and a designer is is like a designer you're kind of creating something that's specifically for other people with the work that I do now I think that there's there's definitely like a conversation between 
me and the customers and I'm always kind of thinking about what they want and and the I guess like the Karen Maven customer that mm. person and what the, what they would like to wear yeah, there's a really true. there's a really nice story as to how you ended up having your collection in Liberty can you tell oh, the listeners yeah, about that I can thank you it's a quite an embarrassing story it's uh, I, like it. <laughs> I so I lived in York and I read about this competition in Grazia where you could queue up outside the Grazia it was like between Grazia and Liberty you had to queue up outside the Grazia headquarters and show your designs to a panel and then the winners would get their collection stuck to Liberty and uh, yeah so I took I had no money I took the mega bus down really early in the morning at six o'clock um, and I got there and there was a huge 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 queue and everyone was dressed up in really flamboyant outfits and I felt really I had my scarves with me and I was like, oh God, what am I doing here? And I queued up and everyone had steamers and I hadn't brought anything and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I got in and the panel was Roland Murray, the fashion designer, Peter Jensen, who's a fashion designer as well. Um, and then it was some journalist from Grazia, I can't actually remember who it was, and Ed Bristel, who's from Liberty. Um, and I knew, I could tell that they really liked the scarves and but they were quite um and they were they were kind of finding them quite funny and then Roanne Marie was like your star- your scarves are so colourful but you dress so boring oh. <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed but I didn't I just I had I think I had quite I thought was like quite a, a flamboyant outfit I had like a, a black top and an orange skirt and like brown shoes <laughs> and, and, um and then I so then I got the the bus back and I felt really embarrassed about the whole thing and then I found out that I'd won and Liberty bought the collection but th- this is one of those things isn't it where where I guess like looking back I feel like that was probably my big break but it didn't really feel like it at the Mm. time because Liberty placed the order and then I still had to figure out how I was going to get it made and I had to fund it and you know they I think they ordered like people think oh sometimes with these things like with department stores they think oh wow you must be you know that must be a huge order you probably made it but like I think they ordered like 12 pieces or something right yeah and then to to meet the minimums I had to do 40 of each and it was quite it's difficult and I had to find a factory that would make you know make some but not too not many, too many. Yeah. I suppose it probably gave you the rocket up your bum and the the kind of confidence like the leap of faith that they took yeah. in you to then be like okay well I'll give them the 12 and then yeah. what am I going to do with these other 38 yeah. oh, I better do a trade show and yeah. then I better do this and this and this and like it probably as you say it kind of snowballed from there because you had no choice you'd spent that money you had to make it back yeah exactly that's exactly it and it was kind of like okay here's a purpose and I think when I sometimes I think about business in general it's like you get these sort of moments where sometimes it's so hard it's such a roller coaster and you'll know as well from your personal practice like it's it's sometimes it's really hard to kind of keep motivating yourself and sometimes you just all you need is like that one positive sign and it was Mm. like okay this this purpose this 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 store wants to buy it. it it does seem more linear when I think about it retrospectively because the collection got into Liberty and then Le Bon Marché saw it and then I could exhibit in Paris and other people were interested and I think like having that sort of um I guess like the sort of shop window of being there mm. um gave people a lot more confidence in the brand that they might otherwise not have that's really nice and you've been running the brand for 10 years now yes 10 years amazing thanks <laughs> It's so exciting. You were talking about how you had to find someone to manufacture them. And how do you go about sort of actually getting numbers of scarves made? And how do you make sure that the drawings that you make in the studio have translated faithfully to uh, the final product? Like, can you talk us through that process? Yeah, of course. So with that first, um, well, I guess with the scarf I have in front of me, that was a company in England that were making printing onto silk. Um, 
and I wasn't really happy with the sort of the color present uh, penetration with digital print. It's quite a different process to what I was used to doing at art school, where I did a lot of screen printing. Um, and and also like this is, you know, twelve. 10 12 years old now um, and the technology has moved on so far since then mm. but I think the my first step was to find a factory and and it's really impersonal sometimes with emails so I, I think I just flew to Italy and um, and got a bus to Lake Como and went to visit the factory myself and I think they probably felt sorry for me and uh, the factory who I still work with um, the manager Mauricio was like look we can we can slightly reduce the minimums for you if you if you really want to do this and I think that yeah I think going there in person and looking at stuff I mean it's it's a product at the end of the day and I just I'm so passionate about product and what it's like and the touch and feel of things and I just don't think that it ever translates it's always so different isn't it when you see things digitally mm. so it's such a it's always been like a very tactile process and a lot of sampling and a lot of pantones I have like a pantone color book and I've printed a pantone sheet out onto silk so I know what the exact I'm quite particular Mm. about colors so I guess like I suppose it's just to to get the accuracy right I guess it's just like a lot of sampling and a lot of back and forth I'd love to see that silk pantone match it's really good yeah (laughs) everybody I can't believe I've never seen that before yeah it's quite Um, big where did you get the tenacity to be like I'm just gonna fly to Italy and uh, turn up at the factories I just I don't know I think I I feel like when I think back it's it's pathetic but I'd graduated I felt like I didn't know what I was doing I wasn't prepared for the sort of graduation wasteland of of not of not really having much going on. You kind of leave. I was at the RCA and and people, you know, you have so much attention and you have crits every week and then you go from that to sort of nothing. Mm. And it was um, not a great sort of time. Um, it was a recession and there was there were job opportunities, but there weren't really anything that I really wanted to do. So I think it was the tenacity was just having nothing to lose and feeling mm-hmm. like okay, well I'll just. You know, I don't have any money, so I'll just use it on flying to Italy and, and taking a chance. <laughs> I, I think I think I wouldn't do it now. Like having ten years on, having the responsibility and knowing what I know about the industry and and having a family and a mortgage, like I would never do it. And mm. I'm so glad I did. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? But then I think often naivety and kind yeah. of ignorance is the blissful place to be when yeah. you're entering a, an industry maybe that you don't know that much about. You exactly. can just storm in and be like, oh, hi, <laughs> yeah. I'm here. I know. Now I, I think I'm so much more aware of sort of protocol and, and you know, speaking in a certain way and knowing all the lingo, whereas back then I was just like, oh, mm. just turn up, why not? And perhaps there's something charming about that. But when you're 20, 22, 23, 24, you can behave like that yeah I I remember that from art school like if you wanted something welding or powder coating you had to like just walk around places where they do that and be like hi um could you just have this in (laughs) yeah exactly maybe it would be a nice time to talk about the cat's bomber jacket yeah Um, so I picked three fabrics from that I, I've designed um, and the second one yeah it's a cat's it's a bomber jacket with cats all over it it was from my in 2009 I did a collaboration with Monoprix which is um, a French I guess the French version of Marks and Spencer's it's a, a department store and they have hundreds of stores um, so I did this huge project it was about I think it was over 150 product lines um, I worked on it for two years and um, it all kind of culminated in amazing launch i 
design shop windows for the Champs Elysees. It was oh next God. to Chanel. It was like an absolute career highlight. And I even look back now and I think I can't believe that happened. Um, and this is my favorite piece in the collection. It was a bomber jacket with cats all over it. I think for France, they're quite conservative in their fashion, and I think it was quite a bold piece for them to mm. include in the collection. But I was quite insistent about having it, and I'm glad I did. It was, it was, it have I still have it in my wardrobe, and it has such fond memories for me and I think I got to that point when after I'd done that project I felt like with my business if I if I don't do anything else if I close it down now if nothing else happens like it will objectively have been a success and Mm. I'm really proud of what I achieved and it it meant a lot to me so that's why I had to include this in the pattern. Mm, That's interesting I guess it's always an interesting question what's the measure of success? Yeah Um, I mean Sometimes it's kind of outward things like walking along the Champs Elysees and being able to see your. Well, I mean, that sounds pretty successful. It was to amazing, me. yeah. <laughs> and I think at the, at the time as well, I was aware that this isn't going to happen, perhaps never again. And, and even if it doesn't, I feel like that will be enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really special. <laughs> um, this cat bomber jacket is it something that you wear sometimes, or is it something? No, I don't think actually. Like in terms of the quality of the collection, it's not the most structurally integral. Mm. So I, I don't. It's very delicate. It's oh, made right. of like it's made of silk, I think. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't wear it very often. But I just I have I have two. I have one archive in the studio, and one which is mine, and I wear okay. it sometimes. But yeah, I think I, I sort of wear it to the wedding sometimes. But then again, it's such a conversation. I have to be feeling quite confident to wear it because I it sparks conversations when I say, oh, I designed it. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I'm in the mood to be that person mm. and sometimes I'm not. That's really interesting. I think I, the reason I really like pattern is because it sparks conversations. Yeah. Um, and people comment and then it kind of is a break, um, an icebreaker. Yeah. Um, but I think it is, it's a very particular thing to then be like yeah I designed it yeah and like how to get the delivery of that so that it doesn't come across as like supremely arrogant exactly but also it's like you should be proud that's exactly like, it's it. amazing and most people couldn't do that so uh, I think they probably could I nah. think it, <laughs> I don't know I think like I love wearing pattern myself and some of my favorite clothes like I said before like I love brands like Marnie, Le Dubage, Stella McCartney brands where like great conversational print is at the heart of what they do and that's like what I hope that my brand is like Mm. but there's just something that I personally and it's not because I'm not proud of the designs it's not because I don't think they work it's just there's a barrier there for me and I I guess it's yeah I guess it's protecting boundaries I'm just not that kind of person that Mm. wants to talk talk about myself like um, I, I should say that in the context of me being on a podcast which is yeah. ridiculous but yeah, leave know. now yeah <laughs> I just don't like talking about myself <laughs> ask me more questions we don't believe you <laughs> I don't know maybe it's like when you're wearing something that you've designed when I'm in this context when I'm at the studio when I'm doing work stuff I'm like I'm prepared for it I've kind of got my work hat on and I've got in that character of being this person who's the designer and I think it's like there's something about walking about your daily business with a, a, a garment on that might spark conversation and not knowing if you're wanting to have that conversation that mm. time maybe that's mm-hmm. it. yeah know. it kind of catches you catches up with you I conversely am wearing a Karen Maben piece today it one looks of my favourite <laughs> uh, it's the uh, leopards it, how do we call them fashion leopards a leopard can't change its spots a leopard can't change its spots slip dress but I love wearing something by you because you. people speak to me about it and then I'm incredibly proud and I Aww. say oh my friend Karen made it that's and nice. you can look it up and I always have a lot of conversations about it so it's a it's a nice it's a nice talking point I'm happy you say that because I think that when I design prints that's a big part of it is wanting to 
wanting them to be conversational or having almost like Easter eggs or things that speak to people Mm. or an element of nostalgia or something where it feels personal to people yeah mm-hmm. how do you go about working out what you're gonna do the next print of or what's the where's the inspiration coming I, from i don't know i think people ask me all the time where do you get your ideas from and i wish i knew because so like it never happens when i want it to i have like deadlines all the time and and yeah whenever i'm sort of sitting in my studio trying to think of an idea i mm. can't and whenever and then just every so often i'll just and, and it's it's sort of like the concept but then sometimes like the colours and the whole thing will like pop into my head I, I was on I was visiting my parents in the north of Scotland and and I got an idea for a shoreline one just sort of walking on the beach and that's quite mm, obvious that's but, nice yeah but sometimes it's just like a, a phrase or something someone will say or an idiom and it just think you think oh that sounds funny or strange I think that in, when your brain is in off mode is when yeah. you're most creative. Yeah. So I often find if I'm like on holiday, yeah, maybe in like a museum in another city or something yes. and walking around and then I'm suddenly like, oh my God, I just want to get home and do this thing that I've thought of, but <laughs> yeah. I need to enjoy being on holiday while yeah. I'm here. I, my dad actually just told me this uh, Picasso quote that was, um, I think, I can't remember what the context was, but someone asked Picasso why he spends so much time in the studios, in his studio, and, and he said... When, I, when inspiration strikes I want to be working so I guess there's that mm. kind of sometimes I feel like I have to be the more I do, more work I do the more inspiration I have but I suppose it's just like the idea is like we, when you're you have the idea you're already working so you can kind of act on it quickly mm. but yeah I don't know where they where they come from and some, or sometimes it's like you know if I'm working to a brief or with a, someone like Agatha Christie then that's more straightforward because it's like okay I'll just go and get lost in that world for a bit and see what kind of jumps out and, and feels like it could translate well to being a pattern yeah you've done some incredible collaborations most recently the Barbie one oh which we're God. all giddy about thanks um, tell me how they come about and how you approach them uh, it sort of depends so we have a, an agent who kind of brokers collaborations at this stage so yeah I mean I, I guess there's earlier ones I did I can't really think I think the first one was with anthropology and I think I just emailed them cold and said I'd love to do something for you and um they're a really lovely company and I've been working with them for 10 years they're very loyal um and I just went into the studio and had a chat and that felt really exciting to me and I think they yeah they commissioned a print so that was the first time and then I did something with the Ford Museum I just sort of said mm. yes to a lot of things I, I at the beginning I said yes to everything probably from like a luxury brand point of view I probably said yes to too much but I just I had that I think that was my whole attitude of like starting the business is to say yes to things and and I also just enjoyed it like mm. I'm, I'm curious about environments that you don't normally get to go to or or new like I guess yeah I love people I love people's stories I like new things I'm just such I'm interested in everything so any anything that came up that you know I was interested in Mm. I'm interested in learning more about you know um, Freud Museum Freud Museum yeah Yeah, I think there's really nice scope with the scarves that they can kind of fit any mold somehow and yet they still hold your identity and that's something really kind of unusual I think as a brand that you're able to be quite malleable to fit to fit in with something else yeah definitely and I think that it the collaborators I worked with are all so nice and flexible um so yeah the beginning it was just sort of whatever I just worked 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 a lot worked hard and produced a lot of volume and I think now I'm definitely more selective about what we do um 
And so, yeah, we have Lisa, who's our wonderful agent who kind of brokers collaborations. So she said to us a couple of years ago, what would be, well, I can't think, I think the last one that we did before that was Sony was with uh, Peter Rabbit and then she was oh, like you know yes. what, yeah which is lovely and you did Minions as well I've forgotten minions, about all these like yeah, yeah. it's funny so we've kind of stumbled across this like thing that exists in marketing where like um, film marketers of films or, or things that are coming out want to try and sort of seed their brand in the popular conscious as much as possible by doing different collaborations and we kind of fit in a nice place where it's like we I guess we represent a sort of like independent shopper yeah um so a little bit of a different we occupy a different space um and yeah Lisa said you know who would be your dream collaboration this is way before I knew about the film I said Barbie obviously right like yeah she's amazing she's iconic I yeah I was like obsessed with the idea of like dipping into her world and having the permission to kind of produce stuff with her face on it um and it took a long time to get to kind of we were working with Mattel and they're very very protective over her image right um so there was a lot of back and forth and I probably think it probably took like a year and a half to get the design right and uh and during which point we discovered that the film was happening and it just everything kind of collided and it all happened at the same time so it was happening in spite of the film yeah yeah it was happening already yeah with Mattel and and so they have movie partners and they have brand partners and we're a brand partner Mm. so we were working with Barbie anyway and they were like you know with this really exciting things happening with the film we didn't know it was Margot Robbie we were like all right thought it was going to be like you know the Bratz movie or something right yeah I guess it could have gone a really other way yeah exactly and it turned out to be this like amazing cultural moment and Mm. we're just so we just happened to be in like the right place at the right right time yeah exactly so good it was really good so I'm really really proud of that collection and I'm I'm proud that it it was also the first time I guess uh, as a designer where I wasn't allowed to just go nuts and draw the Barbies I had to work with the archive imagery so it was the first time I was taking someone else's graphics and illustrations and kind of collaging them together and almost like collaging them within the garment as well so I kind of almost turned it down and then and then I guess I had this like ego struggle where I was like oh does it always have to be like what is the Karen Maven handwriting does it always have to be something I've like physically drawn by hand and then I thought well I can't not have this opportunity to work with Barbie so I'll just work with what they've given me and try and make it look as as much my brand identity Mm. as possible through the kind of cut and paste, I guess, look of the product. And yeah, we, we've done sort of like collaged contrast trim and the shapes of the garments and the kind of the way that it's all put together, I think definitely has the energy of the brand. But it's, yeah, uh, yeah it was a it was a bit of a, a departure for me too. And it was interesting and I'm really delighted about how it's come out. Yeah, and as you should be. Thank you. It's very exciting. You kind of answered this question already by saying your dream collaboration was Barbie, but now you've done it. What's your dream collaboration? Oh God, I have a whole list. <laughs> Like let's manifest ridiculous it. ones. Gucci, obviously <laughs> yes. Louis Vuitton. Uh, I don't know. I th- I'd love to do something with like a really really massive design house. But cool. Coca Cola. They're all on the list. Uh, wasn't there a Diet Coke thing? <sighs> or are we not allowed to talk about that? We are, but it didn't happen. Oh, it was. Uh, this is probably something that's worth talking about. Is uh, that for every Barbie, there's probably a thousand collaborations that haven't happened, and it's really hard. I mean, we had this conversation two weeks ago when a big I can't name who it is, but. A, a collaboration I really 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 wanted to happen didn't and it's so hard to kind of pick yourself up again when something doesn't happen and it happened and and sometimes it just hits you harder than other times and I think yeah I, I just I really wanted it to go through and I think there were a couple of things that all fell through at the same time and I just felt like oh like sometimes especially after 10 years it's hard to kind of get the energy to be like re-motivate yourself mm. and then um, I have a team of seven now and it's 
it's not just me I have to motivate it's everybody and, and it's hard when the team has been excited about something happening and it doesn't and you're kind of dealing with a kind of collective disappointment mm. Onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. It's their laugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today can you tell me about your next fabric it's a burberry trench coat a classic Burberry trench coat with with a bright pink trim, and I remember, I I uh, I I got it. I I'm not rich. I bought it <laughs> through a friend. Worked at Burberry, and uh, there was a sample sale. They and, have the most epic sample oh, sales yeah, at Burberry. Amazing. I love it so much. I I've never owned anything that expensive and that exquisite and beautiful. And I remember wearing it in Paris and women coming up to me asking where it was from so so often and even in restaurants and I just feel like I guess I wanted to bring it up because I suppose that's the essence of this podcast is sort of the transformative power of 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 pattern of wearing something of clothes yeah. and how it can make you feel and and I, yeah I don't know as someone who works in in the fashion industry I suppose at this point as well we're we're, we're kind of constantly forced to think about you know the creation of new products and you know I always feel aware of how much we're putting out into the world and I do think that it's still okay that we, that there are beautifully made things and it's it's all right to celebrate things that are new and that mm. are made and that are made well and that are made sustainably and ethically um and I love I love 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 that trench coat so much and it, it, it makes me feel like a grown-up I can't describe it I remember once you and I were walking in London fields and there was a guy who had a a on-trend trench Burberry trench and we both said and it was like dip dyed and we were both like imagine wearing imagine we couldn't get our head right like imagine not only having a Burberry trench coat but having an on-trend one and now I'm that person <laughs> I love it <laughs> we made it to made it come true I made it come manifested it for myself but I just I just love clothes so much I love clothes and I love it I love the way that they can make you feel a different way or, or they're almost like a sort of costume or a mask I suppose. yeah yeah and I think I suppose the Burberry trench is such a language it's, yeah it's like um comes from a kind of such a deeply entrenched yeah, pun intended nice. canon <laughs> in in Britishness yeah. and what it is to be British maybe I mean I'm sure that's kind of it it's also a complicated print because it's been appropriated lots of times by lots of different environments and I'm sure Burberry have battled to sort of work out how they position themselves in relation to the classic Burberry check 
Yeah, definitely. Um, the print on yours is on the interior, is that right? Yeah, it is. It's on the interior. So but it's a I, I cheeky just, flash. It's a cheeky flash, but I quite like. I like it when people can see the the lining. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tie it <laughs> so that, that it's more obvious. I don't know. I I think also coming from a place of like never having been able to own something that covetable, it I guess it feels differently. And I my the way that I I suppose the way that I consume luxury products is probably different to somebody else because of of not coming from money and and not even growing up in a place where you could see these things like it was always just things that were in magazines and um yeah it always just like felt like such a sort of distant dream there was nowhere in scotland really you could go and even like look at a burberry trench coat mm. the only way you could see them is like watching i used to go to i used to babysit these kids and they had um vhs recordings of sex and city and i would watch them and <laughs> when i was like 17 and just think wow imagine like wearing heels everywhere that would be so great and i guess like it's a part of a fan a bit of a fantasy for me mm. but i i don't know i think my whole problems in life become because i just I, nothing ever lives up to my imagination that I have for myself. I think Sex and the City has a lot to answer for for that aspirational <laughs> yeah. sort of daily dressing yeah. art thing, which I definitely think is really empowering. The the kind of carry approach to like walking through puddles in Milano Blahnik yeah. stilettos and like uh, yeah, sort of embracing the everyday glam. Yeah, um, you definitely do that, right? I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that for me, I, I think like I I dress differently when I'm I'm my my confidence is definitely reflected reflected in how I dress and mm. when I feel more confident I I reach for different items in my in my wardrobe, it's all tied up with I guess yeah how I feel and time and how much feel, how much time I feel is worthy of spending on myself, mm. and I suppose that's yeah I suppose that's to do with like ego and and how yeah how confident I feel and how much time I think is deserved. I deserve to spend on myself I suppose mm. when I had um, my daughter I remember just not looking at my wardrobe and being like I will never wear these clothes again mm. <laughs> and now obviously I do but okay yeah. it's come back they've come back yeah. around but I think when I've listened to some of your earlier podcasts and especially your conversation with Rosie Nicholas um I think that's so interesting the yeah the the notion of of how your clothes empower you and and the idea that you know they sort of sit in your wardrobe and sometimes they kind of come around and sometimes you feel like being a certain person sometimes you don't Mm, yeah yeah it's a real um they kind of loom at you sometimes when you're in a low place yeah and they're like hey why aren't you wearing us you're just getting those jeans again yeah when I had my kid I worked out a sort of uniform that I could pick up every day that felt like me it was like a pair of jeans that had a kind of cheeky little face drawn on them um and there was another pair actually that had a sort of winking eye on the knee um and <laughs> then like them. a fun uh patterned top and but they were like really kind of basic clothes in a lot yeah. of ways but they felt comfortable I could breastfeed in them yeah. I could crawl around on the floor picking up lego in them <laughs> I could or like clambering through a soft play um but they gave me the feeling of myself yeah but now I can't wear those things because when I look back on them they feel of a very particular time oh that's interesting Mm. oh we haven't spoken about that yeah yeah Yeah. I I remember that I mean I I just yeah I feel I feel the same I think I I think there's a sort of like mum uniform that I kind of like fell into the trap of and and I didn't like it I didn't feel like myself at all um and I I 
bought clothes because they were practical and that's not me mm. I'm, I like impractical stuff and I always have that's my whole thing uh-huh. I like wearing a sequined top in the middle of the day or like you know clothes that are evening wear in the day where I mean, maybe that's just yeah. an indie sleaze thing but like it'll like, come back or yeah, has it already come back I think it's coming it's back on its way. definitely and um, this leads on really nicely to um the next pattern which is the baby grow with yeah, bikes on I chose this one because I actually am quite ruthless when it comes to baby clothes but I kept I couldn't bear to throw this one out it was my favorite one and it's a baby girl with bikes on it from Pity Bateau I just I I also felt like yeah I guess like with Vivian too my daughter I felt um I had an idea of what it was going to be like to have a daughter and I bought loads of dresses and stuff when I was pregnant and had them all lined up and hanging up and then when as soon as I met her I was like oh this isn't very you at all yeah she just and she's active she's on the go she has her own style, which is weird to say of a baby, but she does. Mm. And she has her own personality. And the the bike is it's hard to find things that are are, are quite um are not so oh, I don't know gendered. I guess I, yeah. I wanted something that was just had nice patterns on, and it's not easy to find. Um, so yeah, that was one that I kept. And yeah, I'm not I'm not that sentimental about about Vivian aging i'm not one of these people that's like oh i wish it i wish that she was that tiny again i don't i love i love her getting older and every day like i find it so exciting and wondrous is the only word i can describe it like watching her personality come out we me and jamie my husband and vivian went on the holiday to sky which was a really bad idea because there's nowhere to go with babies but um she wore that when we were there and it just it was I guess it was like the first time I'd taken her back to Scotland and I have quite fond memories of it. Mm, so I had to include nice. that. That's yeah. nice. And Thanks. the bikes feel significant somehow. I don't so. know. I suppose my husband loves cycling. Yeah. And that's why I bought it because I was like, oh, this is fun. Maybe. I, I just thought, well, maybe we'll go the cycling together in the future. That's nice. <laughs> I remember you made Jamie a cycling jersey as yeah, well, which is really pretty special. Thank you. Yeah, he loves cycling. I made him a cycling jersey with um, a tiger print on it. The thing about Jamie is like he is so enthusiastic and I don't think that... I didn't do any product testing, so it's probably not very... um, I don't know what the word is. Aerodynamic for cycling, but he's so enthusiastic and throws himself into everything with gusto and he's probably like my number one fan and cheerleader Aww, so he nice. wore it on every cycle and I think he told everybody that I'd made it didn't yeah. you make a few for like a group of them that were going yeah cycling? I did yeah for my friends that went I forgot about that went to France that's really nice yeah I made them all cycling jerseys whole fleet of them and I remember yeah. like Jamie's is kind of pink and it's um, pink with a sort of tiger and, and coming out of some cherry blossom trees oh yeah the I did tiger with, cherry blossom yeah I made I forgot about that yeah I did that just as a as a present for them yeah you're very good at the kind of bespoke gift or sort of getting like a quilt made or like a special thing that's kind of yeah it's quite nice recently I've discovered um the world of pajamas for bridesmaids and when my friends get married I've discovered I can give them that's quite a nice gift yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's nice which is good and it is something that you also do as a service you make we do yeah bridal not really advertising it but yeah (laughs) yeah we do Um, what kind of patterns were surrounding you as a child you grew up in the Black Isle in Scotland and your dad is an artist yeah my dad is an artist but I think like visually our style of drawing is quite different Mm. he's he paints a lot of um really beautiful landscapes and yeah my my style is very much influenced by what I was consuming as a teenager and which is just everything Mm. (laughs) um yeah I loved Greece too I loved (laughs) 
see in Greece too. Specifically Greece too. I know you well enough to understand that, but also like it's so weird. I watch I'm quite obsessive with things and I don't know if it's like a comfort thing but like I will like watch films obsessively and I think that the, the, the aesthetic of Grease 2 is exact is just is so much of my aesthetic as a designer can be pinned back to Grease 2 maybe I need to watch it again through Everything, your eyes multiples the, the the high contrast who's that guy yeah exactly <laughs> Grease 2 I suppose I just watch the same things everyone else did a lot of um American shows that we watched on Saturday morning, Nickelodeon, mm. that kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have Sky though, so I guess that's why it became even more appealing. And especially in in the Highlands, we couldn't really have. We could have channels one, two, three, four, but we. But I only knew one. I had one friend, Kirsten, who had Sky, and we used to go to her house, and it was just the most exciting thing. And all I wanted to do was watch MTV. But if you oh, don't, yeah. I think there's something about it being like. If you don't have it, if you're not allowed to, I mean, I wasn't allowed to watch South Park, and that became really appealing as well. I wonder if like this is for things have become forbidden, they kind of take on a different meaning. Very much so. As a parent, I now understand that really? like things being forbidden just makes them far more interesting. Yeah, <laughs> my mum tells a story about when um, a boy in my village who I won't name, he's probably not going, he's probably not going to listen to this podcast. You never but know. You never know. <laughs> um, she, she, he wasn't allowed. We weren't allowed much sugar, but he wasn't allowed any sugar. And she caught him licking a twister ice lolly wrapper out of a bin. Oh and I think that's that says it everything. That really know. says it all. But perhaps that was what MTV was to me: the yes. twister <laughs> discarded wrapper. <laughs> so appealing yeah I mean but I think I became yeah completely obsessed with I don't know if that's where my obsession with like celebrities and everything came from but like yeah I just grew up so far removed it brings us quite nicely on to my question about celebrity clients of yours because you really like there's some there's some top top people wearing your stuff and every time it happens it like doesn't get boring when you send me a whatsapp of like look it's Selma Blair in it or Lauren um, you'll know more than anybody how exciting it is for me because I love celebrities so much and I don't make things because I hope that they'll wear them but when it happens it's like the most exciting thing yeah it's incredible I mean it's just people get excited and send them to me and I'm so I'm just as excited I'm the most excited person I mean I think it was Two years ago, Kate Beckinsale wore them on Christmas Day. She's got a big fluffy cat and she had the cat cats dressed up and it was so exciting. Gillian Anderson wore them this Christmas. Je- uh, Jessica Alba wore them to get ready for the Oscars. And and um, Kate Hudson. Mm. Oh, amazing, amazing. I just, I find it so exciting. And you've got a big fan club in like the female comedy world, particularly in the UK. They it's get like, it. Yeah. Funny women. Why do you think that is? Because it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know. Yes. I think I think that there's like a sense of humor, and maybe it's not like on the on the surface, but like it's it's there's a sense of humor in what it is, and it's like you know I know that it's just silly cats and dogs dressed up, but let's not take ourselves too seriously and mm. let's just enjoy it. And I think that probably if you have a sense of humor, you kind of get on board maybe. And it's quite a nice kind of way of showing their intentions. Like I'm not turning up in a black t-shirt. I'm like you know, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm like bringing it already yeah you just see me <laughs> yeah exactly um, but I love that you play a part in that really I love nice. it too I love I love uh, comedians although my favorite comedian is Harry Hill oh well you can get him in them you just need to make a longer collar yeah that's true yeah do like, a special do edition for him for Harry Hill with an extra big collar I think if he wore them it would be the I think that would be the one celebrity where I would just be so starstruck do you tell me about your final fabric I just I the final one um is the 
summer garden pajama design and i think that i included this because yeah i don't know it just without being too personal i felt like after i had my daughter i felt like i'd been to space and i couldn't really imagine i felt like i completely lost my identity and i couldn't really imagine making work again and it was that was the first design i did and after yeah it, it felt hard to to figure out how i was going to do it or, or get any inspiration and like if when you have a baby it's wonderful but your world really shrinks down mm. and i wasn't able to do the normal things i did for like to you know to get inspiration so i couldn't go into town i suppose i could but i felt nervous and i didn't really want mm. to and i was just watching box sets on the sofa and the whole life felt like it wasn't very me and i think it, I guess it was like designing the collection that made me f- kind of reconnect to, to who I was or who I was before mm. having a baby. But but also like taking on the nice the nice parts date, not being like I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess I I'm a new version of myself, hopefully with some mm. improvements from the you know, the wonderful experience of like of of being so self selfless for I think a while. You don't need to beat too much around the bush that the first year particularly of having a baby is so hard it is hard but i don't yeah. think for everyone i just find maybe it really not hard. i, I don't know it really hard. i find it really hard yeah. and it was the hardest thing i've ever done and i feel like i can't really yeah i wouldn't want to complain about it because it's so incredibly lucky of course I mean, we're incredibly lucky and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me but it's also yeah it's really hard and uh and i was i feel proud of myself for being able to make some work it's hard as well because I look at social media all the time and and you know this I say all the time I don't understand how this person has a baby and they've done this I don't understand how they've done this I don't and now I'm that person probably where people look and think how do you have a one-year-old and you're you know at the Barbie premiere and you've done four collections and you've done this this and this and and it's you know it's because I have like a team of people that now um, work for me but also I think that doing work and doing drawing was was the one thing that that made me feel like myself again. Mm, that's really nice yeah, and nice. and this one kind of reminds me of it's got a really nice sort of depth and history it sort of brings up william morris kind of um, fronds of curling sweet peas and things um can you tell me a bit about sort of print designers that you admire or things that you turn to yeah i I've always really loved Molly Morris, of course, and Swedish designers like Joseph Frank. Um, I never really look that much at textile designers because I think whenever I do, I just get too bogged down in it and I end up trying to copy them badly. Mm. Um, so I've always tried to get inspiration from different places and I've always looked at children's books. And I think having a baby, I was like looking at them again mm. and revisiting like, you know, Pat Albeck and who did the Tiger Who Came to you? Judith Kerr? Yes. Judith, Judith Kerr. Kerr. Um, and some of the sort of classic books that I had when I was a baby partly because people gave them to me and or I was given them but then also new ones and it was nice just to look at nature again and 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 have this time where I was like bonding with my daughter but also looking at visual things and I really really enjoyed like showing her the world through the eyes of these illustrators and designers um and then I just thought you know I just stick to sort of subject matter that's close to home garden but my world really really narrowed and, and I was spending a lot of time in her bedroom and there's a big there was a big door that opened out into the garden so I could see the the changing seasons and the different plants and things emerging and I suppose I just kind of drew inspiration from what was there mm. so there's a question that I ask everybody uh, which is is there a pattern that got away or a dream pattern that you covered something that you would oh. add to your collection if you could I think probably like something oh, anything by Gucci I think they have the most amazing patterns mm. um I can't think of like one specific example or Hermes scarf which probably mm-hmm. I just 
I don't know if I would wear it, but I really like to own one one Ooh, day. I, I used to go, you frame it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've got quite a lot of my own framed scarves. <laughs> I don't have this room. Sorry. <laughs> they take up quite a lot of space. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, probably probably something print like by Gucci. There's um, like some one of their like, beautiful silk shirts or something. Mm, but in the recent sort of collections oh God, or of, something, yeah, anything, anything. I just all of them. I mean, there's a real kind of poise to the Gucci. Gucci designs. Oh, I just love them. Yeah. Um, and which of these patterns would you save from House Fire? Oh, the baby grow. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sad. Hopefully, nice. all of them. But yeah, the baby grow. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's sentimental, it's sen- isn't it? Such sentimental value. Yeah. yeah. But it, also because I have kept so few things, mm. and also if my clothes burned down to the ground, I could go and buy new ones. Yes, it's a good excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that you choose to save the baby grow. I think that what's interesting about that is that it's not wearable anymore for anybody. No. Like, Vivian's grown out of it. Yeah. It's just a sort of object that yeah. represents a certain moment in time. Yeah, but I, I have quite, I don't know, I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm like much of a hoarder. Like I just, I like objects and, and, and collecting them. So yeah, I guess mm. that, that would be one. But I don't know, I mean, I don't know what I would ever do with it just mm. keep it yeah it's special yeah it's Aww. special <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your patterns with me karen thank you um, i really enjoyed really that nice that was chat so with nice. you that must be nice to chat with you yeah, thanks for joining pattern portraits thank you <laughs> You've been listening to Pattern Portraits with me, Lauren Godfrey. Follow us on Instagram at Pattern Portraits Podcast. The limited edition print accompanying this episode is available to buy now on laurengodfrey.co.uk. Join us next week for another chat about pattern. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.